0: very high expectation of what I've always thought this franchise is and that was the best franchise in sports. In the moments where we are now as players we got to execute. Every day I'm so fortunate to be a part of this team. This is 49ers plus minus. Hey everybody Tim Kawakami here 49ers plus minus semi-emergency real emergency crisis hotline I'm not sure what we're going to call this but this is a Extra episode of 49ers Plus Minus with my co-host, Matt Barros, a day after the 49ers surprises a bit. Um, maybe not with the news, but with, boom, Kyle Shanahan's got another conference call. Everybody, line up. Let's see what it is. I think Barros and I guessed what it was, but it happened fast. 49ers, Kyle Shanahan relieving Steve Wilkes, the defense coordinator of his duties. Uh, they got a D.C. search all of a sudden. Barros, just what's your initial reaction of what Shanahan said? the the kind of the mood of this uh did you expect this and where do they go now
1: yeah um I definitely expected it given that uh that Tuesday press conference included three questions to Shanahan about uh Steve Wilkes, and he he answered one more vaguely than uh mm-hmm. than the last one so uh obviously he uh there was certainly no ringing endorsement of Steve Wilkes in the defense and then this is well documented, all the clues throughout the season, including what happened in Minnesota, um, John Lynch kind of getting involved about, uh, how to cover DK Metcalf, the, uh, the weird timeout, um, on defense, uh, in the overtime on Sunday, just, uh, a lot of things that denote, um, a head coach who is not all that comfortable with the defensive coordinator running the system. And, we've talked about it. I mean, it, it it was a, a Herculean task for somebody to parachute in, uh, who never ran this offense before ran his own system. He and Ron Rivera run the same system. Um, and, um, you know, come in and run somebody else's system as well as Kyle Shanahan expects it to be run a championship level running of the system. And so you have what you have there. I mean, um, what, what did you think about what, what Kyle said and, um, you know, uh, how he, he sort of explained the, uh, the the disconnect to us on the conference call yesterday?
0: Yeah, I you know. I Reading a little bit between lines, but not not all the way. He kind of said, I, I think the players were uncomfortable with Wilkes and Shanahan was, too. You need a one of the two. Right. You need a Shanahan to feel like okay, this is the guy. I picked him. I believe in him. This is what we're going to do. Maybe we have to adjust a little bit. And I don't think Shanahan felt that about Wilkes, and maybe felt that less and less as they went on. And it's a tough situation. You lose a Super Bowl, you fire a defensive corner three days later, it feels like you're scapegoating him. And that defense still played pretty well in that Super Bowl, except for some key moments. Uh, but Shanahan didn't really go with him. And that was clear by what he said. He never praised him, as someone brought up to me, and it's true, he never praised him the way he praised D'Amico, never praised him the way he praised and defended Salah. Like, these were just not guys who were on exactly the same page in the coaching world. Or the players had to love him, right? The players had to rally around him. And that <laughs> and the exact opposite happened, Barrows, with you know anything that certainly Bosa said, and that was like the red alert sirens going when after the game after the super bowl he said that they were, could have been better prepared for the for the home mahomes keeper and never said oh but otherwise what a great coach he never said that and i think fred warner was more diplomatic about that but didn't really come rushing to steve wilkes side um and these two guys are the defense. Like that, you, you you If you don't have those two guys on your side, then you don't don't have the defense on your side. Uh, I just think it was a culture thing. It was a transition thing, and they never felt like it moved out of a transition. It was they talked about right. They talked about Steve's learning the defense. It's tough for him. He didn't bring his assistants. He's learning. They never said he's got it now, right? He's got us. We got him. That never happened. And it's a rough thing to do. After a Super Bowl loss, it is rough. And I, I fully understand and appreciate that this is a tough thing to do and a tough moment, and it doesn't look good, and it could be, get worse. What if they hire somebody worse? But I also think if Kyle Shanahan is, is true to his word that he woke up yesterday morning sure of this after thinking about it, and he wasn't sure on Tuesday at the press conference, and he certainly sounded uncertain about Steve Wilkes, then he's got to do it. You can't say, you know what, it's going to look bad, but uh, maybe we should delay this. No, just go ahead and do it. That's one thing Shanahan is very clear about. But it definitely, I just think it was a bad hire. I mean, you know, not a bad coach at all, not a bad overall result. They got to the Super Bowl and played Mahomes well for most of it. Just was an uncomfortable
1: fit, and it never got to be a good fit. And going back to something you said earlier in the week, this idea that Wilkes is a cornerbacks guy. He's a a defensive backs coach. And um, I thought it was really interesting what, what, what Kyle said yesterday. I'm going to read it to you right now about when he was asked, you know, where was the area that, that had the disconnect? And he pointed specifically to one spot and it was linebacker. He says, I just think it has to do with the way we play linebacker and stuff like that. And the way that Fred and Dre had done it here over the years and the way we've coached it. There's no one way to do things, but you want to tie things together. Steve was always working to do that. There's no doubt about that, but it was just for his background and how it ended up with us. It was just, it was harder than it needed to be. Um, So it, it speaks to two things. What you just said that it never really came together. It was always sort of pulling teeth with Steve Wilkes and, I think it points to what the next move is, which is to hire somebody who knows linebackers. Um, yep. and, and that's what uh, that's what Robert Sala did. He was a linebackers coach before he became the 49ers defensive coordinator. Um, that's what D'Amico Ryans played and what he coached. That's what a lot of these candidates uh, who the 49ers could be looking at have coached. Johnny Holland, I think, is a candidate, an internal candidate. He certainly knows the defense. He's been here longer than in any defensive assistant. He was he arrived with Kyle in, in 2017. So um he's seen the evolution of this defense. He understands the defense. He certainly understands Fred and Dre, which apparently is paramount for Kyle Shanahan.
0: Yeah, I was kind of and I think I wrote it. I was like, was it, was Fred the co-defensive coordinator at the end of the year? You know, I think I, I think Fred is the one who really, really wanted. Steve Wilkes would come down from the booth. And I, I I didn't make a huge deal about Wilkes being in the booth just because coaches have different ways they do it. And he was a booth guy. But the fact that he had to be drawn down to this to the field was a red flag, right? That that, that 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 was against what he initially wanted to do. The fact that Fred wanted, like Fred wanted to see him eye. He wanted to be able to have that contact eye to eye. and I think Fred has influence and he should have influence over what they do. I do think they need they they tried it with the DBs coach. I get, you know, they did not have an internal candidate they felt great about last year when D'Amico left. Uh, there, there wasn't a sure thing Seattle system guy, but they got to just force it. Like Seattle system guy linebackers, the guy whose name I was thinking of, I almost put in the column, I didn't because he is the Jets defensive coordinator. Uh, So there could be a problem there. I'll I'll say one thing. Gus Bradley is the first name that came to mind. Of course, the Seattle defensive coordinator won a Super Bowl there. Jacksonville head coach right from that Seattle system. The purest example of a guy you can just plop into a linebacker's guy. But he is the Colts defensive coordinator. I don't know what the contractual situation is there. I also don't know what the contractual situation is for former 49er linebacker Jeff Albrecht. Who, you know, he went to Seattle, big Seattle guy, has coached that system. He's coaching under Robert Sala as a DC with the Jets uh, and is just a pure linebacker guy, like just D'Amico Ryan esque kind of player, a kind of coach, I'm sorry. Um, What do you think about Bradley and Ulbrich? And do you hear anything that they might be able to get out of those contracts?
1: I have heard. kind of league rumblings that the 49ers would try to to do so with Ulbrich, And, and Ulbrich coached with uh, Shanahan in Atlanta. Um, what was that? 2015, 2016. Um, he was a linebacker here. He's from here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's skepticism around the league that uh, the, the Jets would allow that. I mean, like you like you noted, it would be a lateral move. But I don't know. I mean, the, uh, the Jets do have um, some, some ready-made fill-ins there. They've got, uh, Marquand Manuel on the staff. He could step in. He's been a defensive coordinator in the past. He could step in and do that. Robert Sala could call the, uh, the plays there. Um, I haven't heard anything about Gus Bradley, but if they're going to make an inquiry about, uh, Ulbrich, um, I imagine they would do the same about Gus, Gus Bradley as well. Just, just to see what, what comes loose. Maybe you have to send, uh, draft picks over to one team or, or another. I don't, I don't know, but, um, I would say that Ulbrick there's a better chance of that, uh, because perhaps Ulbrick wants to return to the, to the Bay area and, and would appeal to, to Sala with whom he's good buddies, uh, to do that. Um, I don't know. Uh, like I said, there seems to be skepticism that any of these guys who are coordinators right now, um could uh kind of uh extricate themselves from those contracts it's pretty late i mean that's what
0: happens when you go to the super bowl like you get out of the hiring cycle and most of everyone else has kind of landed uh, certainly the top candidates i just think you know and you listed a, a, a possibilities and these are all great names and you understand why belichick or rabel or whatever pete carroll would be on the list I don't feel like that's where they would go just because it would just create this whole other outsider thing and somebody would have this group and then Shanahan would be on the other side. I understand you want to get the best guys and certainly you don't turn down. If Bill Belichick wants to be, work for you, you don't say, oh, I don't know about that. But I still see those guys doing it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me thinking off the top of my head. Have you heard anything that a big, big guy, a former head coach, somebody who's done a ton in this league would be something the 49ers would be interested in or that they would be interested in the
1: 49ers? I have not heard. I mean, the 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 name that um, is intriguing is Carroll, only because he's from this area. And the very defense that the 49ers used um, began with Pete Carroll. I mean, when, when he yep. was with the 49ers, that, that 4-3 where they have the, uh, what the 49ers used to call the elephant end, and then Carroll changed to Leo, all that stuff dates back to Pete Carroll. Now, it's sort of like uh, 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 an evolutionary tree. Carroll has branched off in one direction, and, and this defense has branched off in another. So it's not apples to apples anymore. There would be changes under Pete Carroll. Can't imagine that Pete Carroll would arrive like Steve Wilkes did, uh, sort of solo, and just kind of work within the structure of what the 49ers have. So um, it, it's it's hard to see that. I mean... I I did a list of 11 candidates. The most realistic one to me, um, or sort of the easiest one, the one that checks a lot of boxes is Chris Kiffin, who was with the 49ers in 2018, 2019. He actually worked next to Chris Kisarek, who's probably the most important assistant coach on the defense. um, Somebody that the 49ers definitely don't want to part ways with. Uh, So he's familiar with Kisarek. He's coached linebackers more recently um, and um, he's worked under D'Amico Ryans last year. So he's been in the system for a while and he knows what it should look like. And like I said, he's a linebackers guy. So he bridges that, that gap between the uh, the front line and the defensive backfield. So um, he makes a lot of sense. Uh, Marquand Manuel makes sense. He's more of a DBs guy, but again, somebody, um, who Kyle knows, who who Kyle has worked with, and um who's familiar with this defense as well, having been in in New York for the last few years. Uh you know, he's obviously out of question,
0: but I know who maybe Kyle would have loved, 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 love, loved for this job is Raheem Morris. Now obviously you got a head coaching job. Falcons, you know, great candidate, was gonna be head coach, but I think that's the guy Shanahan would dream of having as his coach. Now, 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 I think he's a secondary guy, but again, he's such a broad, big picture guy. He's also coached offense. It, I think Kyle loves that, that. He's got this broad experience uh, and is one of Kyle's best friends in coaching. So that, that's out of the question, but that, that's the name like, God, if Kyle could have done this, he would have loved to have Raheem Morris as his guy, but also would love to have Robert Sala or uh, D'Amico Ryans, and they're not available either. Um, do you what what kind of uh you know pressure now is on Shanahan to get this right? What you know, is this the defense that could be teetering the wrong way and, and the defense coordinator is who's gonna have to fix it? What state is the Fortnite's defense in going into this offseason?
1: I mean, um I think there's a lot of pressure. I mean, we, we um documented all the the missteps that the defense had this year and and the missteps that Steve Wilkes made, but, I mean, they also played really well at the beginning of the Super Bowl for three quarters. So um, if you don't bring in the right guy and that defense isn't as good as it was last year, it's very easy to say that, wow, they just they just used Steve Wilkes as a scapegoat. Look how well they played in the beginning of that game. Now, I don't, I don't know everything that went into the game beforehand, um, but, um, you know, it's uh, you, you have to get this right. And, um, you know, I, and I, 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 think, um, you know, the, the easy maneuver for Kyle Shanahan would have been just to kind of let things stand pat that, okay, we, here we are late in the off season. We don't have a lot of great candidates. Uh, Steve Wilkes has been here for a year. He's going to get better in year two. And, um, and he didn't do that. He, there was something bothered him the whole year and he realized, okay, this could be, an issue moving forward as well. So he, uh, he pulled the bandaid off early. Uh, so I, I, I got to give him credit for that. And, um, you know, th- this next step will determine whether it was a good move or not.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised it happened so fast. Not, you know, maybe Wilkes just said, Hey, if you're uncomfortable, let me know now. So, like, so give me more time to get on a staff. Um, And it is Kyle. Like if he thinks something like he (laughs) made a decision on Brock Purdy quickly or he made a decision to trade trade like these things he does fast and he doesn't really think about the PR, uh, which I give him credit for. You just have to make your decision when you make a decision. And yet I did think before you do this, you better know who you're going to hire. Like you, you can't go from Steve Wilkes, whatever discomfort you had with them whatever things that we all could see how whatever things that the players were saying and we probably were saying a lot of things uh behind closed doors just given the indication we've had all the public stuff but you don't just want to like put yourself in you know unstable period like we don't know what we're doing it could be anybody uh, and that's when a unit where they've invested a lot of draft capital in a lot of money in could get a lot worse or at least get become mediocre and that would be a death knell for this team i don't think they've got a candidate i don't think kyle made this decision with a candidate in mind i really don't and, you know because we've just named the obvious ones and they might be ungettable uh and you know there's just a limited amount of guys who can around this system linebackers coach defense line, whatever who could fit to fit this perfectly but it is kyle style and um you know i it's gonna be—it's an interesting time, and and I'll be curious to see what Steve Wilkes has to say. I don't think he's gonna burn down everything. I think he's a respectable guy, and he—you know—he felt this was a respectable situation. I don't know what he feels about the end of it, but I'm curious about what Wilkes might think and what people who support Wilkes might think about this, uh, because this is a very, very public thing, and um, you know, all this Wilks's—you know—weaknesses or whatever we want to discuss are out there, and in. in doesn't need to happen like this but we'll see I was joking you 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 keep with Wilkes for this year then you can go solid next year because I don't know how long Saul is going to be the Jets coach Uh, but uh, they obviously didn't do that Uh, the I don't feel like it's going to be somebody from on the staff Barros I mean I know you know these guys better than I do it just doesn't feel like the right timing for that Uh, we'll run us down who you think like the likeliest person from on staff would be
1: I mean, um, each of them has a, not a red flag, but a reason why it wouldn't happen because Kosurik hasn't wanted to be a defensive coordinator till this point. These, these defensive line guys are kind of uh, cut from a very um, odd cloth where they just want to be defensive line coaches. Uh, so, I mean, could he change his mind? Yeah, absolutely he could. Uh, but the 49ers also just let Daryl Tapp go for another job, he would have been a natural choice to uh, be the D-line coach if Kasurik became a uh, defense coordinator. So uh, it, it's hard to see that one. Um, Johnny Holland would be a really easy choice. He's been battling multiple myeloma for, you know, in the recent past and had to take time off And in, in 2021. Now he's been a fine and, and, you know, back to a full-time role. And I, I'm always astounded at... Uh, how how much energy he has at these practices. So um, he could do it as well. I just don't know what his sort of private situation is, whether that prevents him from doing it. Daniel Bullock would be the other guy. He's in the secondary. He's, uh, I don't know if um, he has enough experience. And again, this is a defensive backs guy. I don't know if he, you know, kind of knows the position that Kyle would would like to have. The the dark horse in all of this is, Nick Sorensen, who has had a sort of a nebulous role with the 49ers the last two years. Um, he's the one who filled in with the linebackers when Johnny Holland had to take some time off. So he's worked with linebackers. He's a former safety himself. He works with the, uh, like well, he, he works all over the field, really. He works with the nickelbacks. He works with the linebackers. He works with uh, the safeties. He does their take- uh, Takeaway meeting each each Thursday they have a a meeting that they call the ball. It's about uh, creating turnovers, basically. Uh, so he's sort of well liked in that regard. He would have sort of that uh, bird's eye global view of the defense that might make for an easy transition. Um, but um, none of them is just uh, you know they don't have a kind of a rising star on the uh, defensive staff that makes it an easy choice. Um, I wanted to ask you about Brandon Staley, um, a Vic Fangio disciple. Uh, He's available. Obviously he was the, the ex coach of the, uh, the chargers. The Raiders did such a, uh, a number on the chargers in, in one week. I forget which week it was that the whole, the whole, the uh, Chargers uh, system basically collapsed, and uh, the GM was fired, Staley was fired, and um, he's the GM available. Was hired
0: for- by the, Ra- the GM was hired by the Raiders, by the way. <laughs> That's right. Kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a Brandon Staley fan. Uh, I think he's a good coordinator. I, was, I did not like him as a head coach. Uh, as you've pointed out, uh, Joey Bozo, uh, who might know somebody really well on who is important with the 49ers, uh, did not flourish with Brandon Staley, was kind of put in an uncomfortable spot. And, you know, I talked to John Bosa about Nick and Nick's leadership with the 49ers, and he went out of his way to say how happy he is that Nick's finally going to – I'm sorry, that Joey's finally going to get good coaching, and it was not a good situation. Um, and maybe that's just talk and whatever, it happens. But I think Nick Bosa is so important. His not just his play, but his – his mood, his feelings, his look at his analysis is very important to them. And I don't know that you would bring Brandon Staley in who's somebody that Joey did not, you know, theoretically did not, he never said those words, but I think John Bosa's words can speak for that. Not really, you know, and, you know, and, and again, I don't see Shanahan really going in for a former head coach who immediately would be wanting to be another head coach who would kind of be, you know, having competing press conferences, who would be, have his own thing and maybe not run, you know, I don't think he'd run the Seattle system. That that was some of the issue with Fangio, who I do think the 49 wanted to hire last year just because they didn't have a Seattle system guy. Uh, and the timing and the money was not great. And Fangio was going to go to Miami uh, or Philadelphia you now, because he now he's in Philadelphia. Uh, but do you want to have a lesser Fangio and who's not running, also not running the Seattle system, who's political, you know, I, That one, I don't know. Again, I could get the technique of it because I think Staley can be a good coordinator. I just don't know if he's the right guy at this time. Um, I just, it doesn't feel like a Shanahan Lynch kind of guy. Um, You know, they like the kind of the, You know, meat grinder guys like it's kind of like the guys who they can count on with commitment instead to be with the 49ers, the 49er thing and not have their own thing. And I think Staley's got his own thing. I realize he's got his thing that he wants people to be talking about Brandon Staley. He wants people to think this is Brandon Staley is a genius. And if you do that, you better be a genius. You better be that guy. And I don't know that he's that guy. And I do think the Barrows family, I mean, the Barrows family, I don't think the Barrows family is that important. It's, I think the Bosa family, very similar kind of body types, the Barrows family and the and the Bosa family. But I don't think that would be a big thumbs up for Brandon Staley. That's just, I just, I've run through that. What do you think about Staley? Again, I'm not saying he's a bad coordinator. I'm just saying, I don't think it fits here.
1: Yeah. Um, the 49ers defense has all been, uh, has been all about simplicity and aggression and the Staley defense is all about intricacy and, you know, drawing plays up on the whiteboard and, and making things complicated, or I shouldn't say that, um, you know, it's very, uh, very complex. And um, it, it, that plus the fact that it's a three, four defense. Um, remember in 2019, Nick Bost is coming out and there's a chance that the Cardinals select him or the 49ers select him with, with the second pick. And the Cardinals at that point are running a three four, and and Bosa came out and said, "I'm glad it was the 49ers, even though, you know, they had the the lower pick because they play a four three. I don't want to be a stand up linebacker, and I assume Joey Bosa didn't love that either. He would have preferred to be in a in a four three, hand hand in the dirt, all that stuff. So all of these guys that we mentioned, I know that uh, Bill Belichick plays sort of a, a hybrid uh, three, four, four, three, he could do a lot of different things. Um, you know, Mike Vrabel, more of a three, four guy from, from what I, what I recall, that probably isn't going to work because of what you just said. Bosa holds a lot of sway. And I think there was a major step this year in that his voice, um, became, uh, bigger, uh, much more, kind of public we we gave him the uh what we call the Gary niver award which is our our media good guy award and uh it l- largely was based on the fact that he says things he says things that matter um he, he just doesn't talk we didn't give him that award because he's available and uh cuz he says funny things w- when he talks um there's uh there's an importance to what he's saying and so um I think that that kind of carries through to the whole organization. Everybody kind of feels that gravity when Nick Bosa speaks.
0: Four ers are not playing a 3-4. Not, not, not. They are not doing it. There's just no way somebody walks in and says, Nick Bosa is now a linebacker. That's not happening. Now, maybe Brandon Staley could say, hey, I can play a 4-3. Uh, Fangio, I think, told him that. Like, I can play a 4-3. You know, my my scheme can adjust. Alden Smith under Vic was essentially a defensive end, right? He just they called him a linebacker. Uh, but I just think that would be problematic and problematic because he did do it to Joey and, and they would not want Nick to think, Oh God, you know, this is a guy who made Joey stand up and I don't want to do that. That's just, it's just a different thing. Or And then the guy coming in would feel like, Oh, now I'm, you know, now my system is being, you know, compromised because I, I want to play a three, four, like none of that is what they're going to do. They just went through some version of that with Steve Wilkes, even though he was a four, three guy, there were different elements to his stuff that didn't quite go with what the four Niners do. They're not going to bring in a guy who goes, well, here's, I do completely different. We're doing a three, four. That is not happening. <laughs> I mean, that is, I just cannot imagine that this is going to happen that way. Uh, again, it's, I just think it's got to be somebody who's either in the Seattle system or very close to the Seattle system or is coached under a Seattle guy. Uh, and I know, and there might be somebody we don't know about, but, uh, I just can't imagine it's going to be a guy who goes here. We now, I am now going to cr- recreate this Fortnite defense in my own image. That is not happening because they kind of tried it with Wilkes, and even that limited version of a new thing failed in, in their minds. And we just saw why it, <laughs> they're not going to go with, with that. Uh, any other thoughts on like what's happened the last few days just from the Shanahan lynch presser from the Fortnite locker room? um i you know we can feel it they're devastated everybody's devastated this is a big one it's gonna take some time to get through i was talking to some warriors guys yesterday and i was just knowing to them and they were agreeing with me how fortunate or whatever they were to win it on their first try you get to the final round and you win it and it just kind of frees you up as opposed to if you lose it I was, I was frankly talking to clay thompson about this like can you imagine if you had lost in '15 and then have the '73 win season and then lose again in the in the mat, that round, which they did, he goes, "Yeah, that would have been really bad. It was bad already to lose, but to have one title already makes it a little less, you know, kind of compromising." And now with the 49ers having lost the two Super Bowls to the Chiefs in the Shanahan era, plus the two NFC Championship games previous to in between. The weight of this, man. The weight that we felt this, right? We felt this after the game. I think we feel it now. We feel, we see it on Shanahan and Lynch's face when they talk. Like, do you feel that? Was that, you know, out there in the locker room with these guys? And and, and where do they go with it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and we saw that with the uh, the Harbaugh regime, where in, yep. in 2011 they make it to the NFC Championship. In 2012, they make it to the Super Bowl and lose. In 2013, they run into, you know, they're they're the second best team in the league, but they run into a buzzsaw in Seattle and and barely lose that one. And then we just see collapse. And in 2014, they've got nothing. And then in 2015, it's even worse than that. People retire. um, They're just spent. Um, And the organization really has to reboot, which is what led to the Kyle Shanahan era. But yeah, I mean, there there is a weight. Um, and you saw that Brandon Ayou could barely kind of um, compose a sentence when when he was interviewed on on Tuesday. Um, he's got a lot going on. he's he's hoping for a big contract this year, and you can sort of get the impression that he's kind of gearing up for uh, a negotiation like Debo Samuel had a couple of years ago. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, George Kittle was, was very muted both after the game and on Tuesday. Um, and, and he's usually Mr. Ebullient. Um, you know, I, I think that has to do with the, the fact that he is dealing with that shoulder injury had to come out of the game late. Um, again, this team was, you know, r- running on fumes at the end there in a lot of ways, especially the defense. So, um, I don't know if uh, they can kind of, uh, kind of uh feel rejuvenated over you know a long uh, March and they come back in late April and kind of hit the trail again it's, it's gonna be hard to do and uh, I know that you've you've written about that how the difficulty of getting back to that spot and probably having to play the Chiefs again even if you do
0: <laughs> yeah yep I mean that's sometimes you just run into that team and you hope you're the iconic team um, 49ers have been that and you know, certainly with Montana uh, but They've run into the new Montana, the new Brady, Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, I think Mahomes, the Chiefs could be better next year. Like, they weren't that great this season, except for at the end, and then they were great. Uh, they could get another receiver. They could do some things. And, you know, you're just looking at that going, man, I mean, the trip to the NFC is not as hard, you know, not hard. We know, that. I mean, maybe these teams get better, but there's nobody in the NFC you go, wow, that's the next team. They may be the Lions, but it's still Jared Goff, and I don't think, The 49ers are going, oh, Lord, that's, uh, you know, the NFC's version of Mahomes. I don't think anybody's saying that. Um, In the AFC, you've got Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. You've got Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You've got, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills. And you've got Mahomes. And you've got other teams. You know, we'll see what Harbaugh does with the Chargers and, and Justin Herbert. You just don't have that in the NFC. So you can still think we'll get there. But then... You got to go through fifteen, or you hope that somebody's beating fifteen, or you hope you have the defense that is set up to beat fifteen, and you don't know that that will ever be true. And you don't know that until the friggin' final seconds of the fourth quarter, frankly, or overtime. Uh, but um, it was something. You know, I just think they feel this. They're going to feel it for a while. They're going to feel it first day of training camp. They're going to feel it first game of the season. They're going to feel it the eighteenth week of the season. They're just this is just with them now until they get through that barrier. And you have to understand this might not all happen and you have to feel like, okay, you know, you can't, you can't be wounded by it. You know, we can't let it show on your field on the, on the field at least, but it's there, uh, that the weight is there. Uh, do you think they're going to make some drastic moves like personnel moves? I don't know that they can, I assume they're going to, you know, do everything they can to resign IUC. I mean, is there any way they try to make him play his fifth year option what are the other are big things potentially out there for the barrels?
1: You know, you you try to uh, parse what they said in their their Tuesday press conference. And, you know, for the past several years, whenever they were asked about Nick Bosa, for example, it was always an effusive, oh, yeah, we've budgeted space for him. He's definitely coming back. That's that's a done deal. Uh, Asked about Ayuk, it was more wishy-washy. It's all pieces to a puzzle. Yeah, we like him. Of course we like him. He's a warrior. Uh, we got to think about the future there. I, I, I don't know whether that was because the press conference was so immediately after the season, they just didn't have all their, their spiel together at that point, or whether they are kind of thinking about different scenarios. I mean, we've talked about, you know, likening the, uh, the 2019 or 2020 scenario of not keeping Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner together with this idea of not being able to keep Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk together, that that seems like it's a possibility. I mean, if they're gonna, as you were saying the other day, if they're gonna jettison somebody, probably gonna be Debo Samuel, um, who um, who didn't have the greatest Super Bowl. Not not nearly all his fault at all. Um, it was just great coverage by the Chiefs and great pass rush by the Chiefs on a lot of those throws, but. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's something that I, I think is, is certainly a possibility because I, I, I saw this, this scenario play out four years ago. Yeah. And, but it didn't work out really well for them, by the way, when they moved Buckner. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, I think that DeForest Buckner has been fantastic. DeForest Buckner, the, the, uh, DeForest Buckner's calling card four years ago was that he never missed a game. That's still the case with DeForest Buckner. Whereas Eric Armstead misses a lot of games, and and he's going to miss most of the offseason as well with a with a torn meniscus.
0: And Javon Kinlaw, the you know the, the draft pick they got for for Buckner, they moved it around a little bit, but that was essentially the pick. And he has certainly been injured a lot himself. Was healthy mostly this year, which is credit to him. But he's no DeForest Buckner. Uh, and I just think if you move Ayuk. You hurt the quarterback, and that's the last thing they can do. Is have Brock Purdy lose his guy? No, they didn't. He didn't throw a ton to Ayuk uh, in the Super Bowl, and we certainly heard some social media from family members or whoever around Ayuk that was not happy about it. This is just the way it goes. Um, you know what? You, you know he targeted Debo eleven times. They rode Christian McCaffrey. Uh, this is just. Like, sometimes you have other options. I think they could have thrown more to Kittle and more to Ayuk, but you can't throw to them, everybody, every time. Um, I just don't know that you can move off Ayuk and say, well, you know, that's fine for a quarterback. And the quarterback is the most important player on this team. You know, we know how many great players they have. McCaffrey is really important, but, man, you just want to make things as comfortable for Purdy as you can. I've always hinted about Debo, but, man, I mean, that's a big acceleration if you move on from Debo. Uh, I think you just you, you pay Ayuk what it's going to take, unless it's not crazy money. And then at some point, maybe Debo's the one you come off of in a year. You can do it in a year. Um, and again, Debo's such a heart and soul player. I'm not saying this lightly, but if you ask me who's the one long-term they should keep, Ayuk or Debo, if that's the question, I take Ayuk. And I've kind of said this before.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I was just talking about how effusive they were about BoSha when his name came up in in terms of a long-term contract they're already saying the same thing about brock purdy so that's that's something that they seem to be committing towards the future and if you're committing to brock purdy then you're probably or you should be committing to brandon Ayuk as well because that that chemistry is so good two guys that really um you know, uh, do what Kyle Shanahan wants to do in that in that passing game. Um, but I mean, boy, Debo Samuel bailed them out of a of a full season in 2021, wow. and, and bailed them out of a handful of games uh, th- this past year as well. Um, there was kind of a consistency issue with him, as though, um, and I wonder whether that is something that that factors in at some point.
0: I had somebody who really knows people said that they went in this game saying it's gonna be McCaffrey. They're gonna ride McCaffrey. We certainly saw him touch the ball a ton and he had 160 total yards from the scrimmage and a touchdown. I get it. But they threw it eleven times to Debo, right? They threw it eleven times. I think only had three receptions. Like they did try to get it to Debo. It wasn't like it was a not a Debo offensive scheme. They really tried McDuffie was all over him. They you know i think purdy could have thrown a, a one or two better passes to debo maybe we've gotten a couple more, more completions but it just wasn't there uh, and the running wasn't there either so um i know it just the, the, you 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 only have the options you have and you you, you play you call the plays you think are best it just didn't quite work out with the debo stuff we'll see um and I, another thing we can talk about purdy Another thing to maximize, Purdy. I think you got to fix that right side of the offensive line pass blocking. You just have to. Not saying trying to assign blame for some of those key third downs. Certainly in overtime, there was a bust there. But I think you draft a right tackle if you can, and you plug them in, and you move McKivitz to right guard, and I think you fix two spots there. You know, I fix it. You improve two spots there. Um, I know you. You mentioned defensive end off. Clearly an incredibly important, certainly, roster spot for this team. But I think right tackle is where you invest. If you're going to make a big investment in the draft pick or if you have some money, you know, we know they're up against the cap. If you make the big investment, like last year, Traveris, or two years ago, Traveris Ward, they just had to get a corner. I think they just have to get a right tackle.
1: I like your idea the other day of moving McKivitts into right guard. Um, you know, at one point that's what they thought his position would be. They they switched him to guard for a little bit and they had to bring him out to tackle. And to his credit, he really sort of stepped forward and and became somebody that they could rely on. But, um, yeah, I wonder whether that's a, uh, a, uh, a good move to have. Um, he's solid. He he would be a good right guard, give him a full off season. Uh, but you have to have that right tackle. Right tackles are, are hard to find. They're expensive. And, um, you know, this team's already up against it with the cap. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough. And I think that's what Shanahan's talking about with this, uh, this puzzle issue. Um, I asked about the defensive tackle conundrum from four years ago, and uh, I was asking it to John and um, Kyle jumped in and suggested that there were all sorts of scenarios that they were looking at. Okay. If we keep these two guys, what else can we do with our cap? If we keep Buckner over Armstead, what else can we do with our cap? There were, you know, different scenarios that they could have used. I'm sure that's what's happening right now. Um, if we go, you know, spend money on a on a right tackle, what, what do we have to lose? Who do we have to trade? Who do we have to cut? Uh, so um, it seems like, uh, you know, Prague and John come to Kyle with different Sets of scenarios, and uh, it's up to Kyle to sort of pick which path they want to pursue. You can't do them all, um, and and I think those uh, those paths are going to get narrower and narrower as uh, as we go along because uh, they keep kicking the can down the road with a lot of these contracts.
0: Yeah, I mean they redo all these contracts, and you understand you want Kittle around for the long term. You want. Trent Williams along for the long term. You want all these guys, but then that makes it harder if you have to get out of them, right? It just makes it harder because the money gets built up and built up and you can't get out of it. And I'm not saying they would any of those Armstead, you know, we know the names, uh, but, but, if you've got to make a dramatic play, it's very hard to do if you just keep pushing the contracts back in the future because that just means more money accelerates if you move on from the player. And they really can't get on. Any of those guys that they've redone, they can't move off of. They can't do it. Like, and, and there's only one coming up in another year. It's Debo that I can look at. Like That's a number that you can move off of in a year. And even then, it's going to cost them something. So uh, and you can't move on, you know. Nor would you want to, but you're not moving off McCaffrey. You know, you're just, there's, there's a players out there they cannot move off of, nor would they want to. But again, that's part of the conundrum, is part of the puzzle. So we shall see what they do. Barrett, you got anything else
1: for this emergency pod? Yeah, no, that's it for me. Yeah, it's been a good, uh, a good emergency pod a 4911 uh emergency pod (laughs) oh my good
0: way to go way to go Barrows. uh we shall see what we do next week if there's something to talk about we'll do it if not we might give Barrows a break we'll see i don't know he's looking fine you're looking solid i don't know got energy energy going hard all right everybody that's the show for today and Barrows.
1: bye everybody